Thank you. Okay. Well, normally I laugh. I told Sydney uh, this past week, normally when we do a video of some type of really dramatic, inspirational thing, I normally start bawling at my seat, right? You guys have probably witnessed this from me, right? Then I'd have to try to get up here. Like when we do a Father's Day video, like, guys, it's not even fair, right? It's not even fair to play some Father's Day video up there and then make me come up here and try to talk afterwards, right? It just doesn't work. So I I watched the video ahead of time. I got myself ready. I was like, I can do this. I can do it. God is strong. He is with me. And I did it. Look at that. I did it. I'm able to speak effectively after watching the video. So good. So turn with me to uh, Revelation 1. Revelation 1. And this, this week concludes the sermon series that we have been doing, which is Jesus Is. And we've been doing Jesus is love, Jesus is uh, provision, Jesus is healer, Jesus is restorer, Jesus is rescuer, Jesus is, we have done uh, the rewarder, I think, last week. We continue to walk this through. And the last one I want to end with this week is Jesus is returning. (laughs) If you haven't noticed, or you haven't read the Bible much, Jesus is coming back, church. He is coming back. And he's coming back for his bride. And it's amazing how the Lord orchestrates all these things that we talk about and this unveiling. And then you, Liz, honey, you came up and started talking about a bride being ready, you know, for the groom. And that is what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about a couple things about Jesus is returning. I want to talk about a few things about, like, why is he returning? When is he returning? Ah, people want to take notes now today. I will not get into the eschatology of the rapture as much as, and maybe that will disappoint some of you today. We will get into that at some point. Is it pre-trib or is it post-trib? Do I have to prepare for the seven years or not? I will get into that at some point in the not-too-distant future, although that won't be this morning, so don't tune me out. But I am going to talk about many of the signs that are being seen right now. And then I'm going to end with, what do we do? What, if Jesus is returning, and he's returning soon, and I think we all believe that in some way, shape, or form, and soon to some people might mean a year, soon to some people might mean 50, 60 years, but I can tell you that it's soon. It is soon. And so what is our response as a church How should the bride be getting ready for the bridegroom? What are we to do as a church? How are we to act? What are we to do? And we need to have what I'm going to call this morning a kingdom mentality. A kingdom mentality. And what does that look like? And how do we flush that out practically in our lives each and every day? Okay? This is what I want to go do. So I just want you to know that we are preparing for the Lord's return. We are preparing for the Lord's return. There is so much hope, there is so much joy, there's so much excitement in the thought of his return. And when he comes in the the clouds, coming down for his bride, I am so excited for that day. I don't know if I will physically see it or not, but I just am excited for the day in which that will come. Turn with me to Revelation 1, and I want to start in verse 4, and I want to read just a little bit of this chapter, and then I want to kind of break down some things, and I have to, I have to thank Andy, I have to thank Andy, Andy is uh, my eschatology, uh, what's that, consultant, Consultant. 
And, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of study in my life, not a whole lot, and I've been doing more and more about it and what it is and some of the signs of the time. So I, have to, I do, Andy, I have to thank you because he gave me a lot of great information backed up with Scripture that I think is really helpful for the church at this time because people are wondering. You see stuff on Facebook. Do I believe this? Do I believe that? Well, there's this vaccination coming. Is that the mark of the beast? Should I not get the vaccination? What if they? What is this ID 2020? Right, all of these questions we have as a church... What am I supposed to go do with all this stuff? How do I discern what's happening? And I want to walk through a few of those things here with you today. So Revelation 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. He's coming. He is returning. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne... And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Can we just make sure we understand that for a minute? His return, he shall be king. He shall reign over this earth. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. To him who has loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests, Little K, little P, kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. So, why is he returning? Why is he coming back? He's coming back for his bride. He is coming back for the church. He is coming back for those who have put their trust in him as their Lord and as their Savior. Why is he coming back? Because he loves us. Because God, from the beginning of time, set up a plan of redemption. And if you look at this Bible from the beginning to the end, it has all been God's perfect plan of redemption for mankind. He is going to execute on the plan. And the plan is laid out right here. And he is going to execute on his plan. Because guess what? His word cannot return void. And what he says and what he speaks and what has been written down shall come to pass. So he's coming back because he said he's coming back. And when he comes back, I am so excited because perfect healing. (laughs) Perfect restoration. The perfect reward, perfect wholeness, it's all coming with it. It's all coming with it. And so we can put our hope in there. So who is he returning for? His bride. The one that he gave his life for. And as much as we already talked about, I can remember our wedding day. I can. It's 20 years ago. Almost 21. 21 in just a few weeks. I remember the day. And I remember the anticipation leading up to the day. And I remember the preparation leading up to the day. And I think this is the perfect analogy that God's using for us to be in preparation and anticipation and excitement about the again coming king. It is time for us as a church to begin to prepare, to begin to get ready. And I'm going to say something, and I don't want to offend people, but I kind of do. I'm tired of comfortable Christianity. 
It is one of the greatest deceptions that is going on in America right now. We have this comfortable Christianity. We think we can do what we want to go do. And sure, I'll I'll pray, you know, this prayer of forgiveness and he will forgive my sins. Yes, he will. But it's no longer optional. It is not optional to not be repented and turning towards him and asking him to come into our lives and be Lord of every area of our lives. This is a matter of life and death. This is such importance here. Families and generations lie in the balance of our decisions to push forward for him. And he's calling us to not be comfortable anymore. He is calling us to not be comfortable anymore. And in America in general, we've gotten used to this comfortable Christianity. Ah, I don't, the chairs are kind of comfortable here more than they are there. And I like the worship music over here better than I like over there. And I don't like the way this guy says this. And I like the way she says that better. Or whatever it is. Jesus is just like, what are you talking about? Stop that. It's fleshly concerns about this thing. If, if they are not preaching the Bible and the word of God, fine. you got to make. But where he has called you, then get in there and get planted and become the actual church. The church is not this building. It's not these 13 acres. It's not this beautiful sound system. The church is us. It's the people. It's the gathering. It's us. We are the church. So how are we preparing? Not whether or not we have a new parking lot out there for the people who are coming. How are you and I preparing and getting ready for his return? This is what I want to talk about. With his return, there is, an, there is such hope that can only be found in him. Such hope that can only be found in him. So when will he return? Doesn't everybody want to know, right? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know the exact time. And the Bible says we can't know the exact time. But the Bible does discuss very clearly that we can begin to understand the generation by looking at the signs that we see to know that he is coming soon. And I want to lay out some of the things, again, with the help of Andy, some of the things that uh, has, is really clear to me. So turn with to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. I just want to read this quickly. And then I'm going to take some highlights out of Matthew 24. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves... Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, children, careful. Yeah, older people, careful. (laughs) Thankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiven, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness... And this is one just hit me, man. I bolded this thing. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. We as a church cannot deny the power of God. The power to, to heal. The power to see miracles. The power of restoration. The power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we were going into next week is Pentecost Sunday. So if you didn't know that, get ready for a Holy Spirit outflow and outpouring here on Pentecost Sunday. And we're moving to a new series called The Holy Spirit. And I just want to do some teaching and some understanding because there's a lot of misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about that a little bit. That's next week. Got to come back for that. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. 
For this is a sort of those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Look at that, guys. Woo. Always learn. Oh, I'm studying, I'm learning, I'm learning. But never coming to the truth. God is calling us now to move out of just learning and getting a hold of the truth. Getting a hold of the truth of God's word and to being able to discern what's really going on. Discerning what's really happening in the times. Discerning the not having to move in fear at all. Because when you discern and begin to believe and understand what the word of God says, you can move through life with freedom knowing that you're walking out his word in your life. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Verse 8. Now as Janus and uh, Jambres resisted Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning of faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs was also. I mean, if, I, if there is a portion of scripture that sums up what's happening right now, what's happening in the world, this is it. And we need to understand in the church, we need to be the truth to this world. And we need to not look to government for the truth of this world. And I know we get, it, we get like shocked that government makes certain decisions. Like, I love you guys, but like, why are we shocked when some of these decisions are made? We as the church need to understand the truth and make those decisions. The Bible says that there will be people that will not be paying attention. The Bible says there will be many, there'll be many scoffers. And if you want to read more on the end times, I encourage you to look at Matthew 24, Daniel 7 through 12, Ezekiel 38 and 39, and I can go on and on on the list. But in Matthew 24, you don't need to turn there. I just want to highlight a couple things. Because Jesus begins to talk about some of the things that we will see in the last days. He talks about it kind of from, a, I think he's sitting, on, he's sitting on the mount with his disciples. And it's kind of like a bird's eye view of everything that's going on. There will be war and rumors of war. Have, do we, have we heard of any wars or rumors of war happening? Yes. Famines continually happen. Are there famines happening? Yes. Pestilence. Do you think there are pestilence happening? Andy sent me a, a, a note, or uh, he didn't give me the link, but I researched it. Do you know that there is locust-destroying crop in the northern part of Africa and moving into the Middle East in unprecedented ways? Like, I don't know what news channel you guys love, but I didn't see that anywhere on the news. I don't watch the news all that much. But this stuff is happening. It's happening right now. That's right. It's happening all over the place. Jesus talks about earthquakes happening. There are earthquakes that are happening all around the world. Jesus talks about persecution. Church, I am telling you, this is not, what we're going through really is not a whole lot of persecution right now. There are churches around the world that I, that I believe are going through some of the greatest and biggest persecution that has ever happened in Christian history. And, we, and sometimes we don't know about it, we don't think about it, and we get in our comfortable Christianity, and we think about just ourselves, and I'm at fault with it too. Like, I don't know everything that's going on around the world. But we need to be in prayer. We need to be in prayer and rise up as an American church to help support those churches who are being persecuted. Because we are not really being all that persecuted right now. And maybe someday we will, and I don't know. Jesus talks a lot about the love of many growing cold and lawlessness. And it's happening everywhere and all around us. 
So I have to ask the question, have we started the tribulation? Are we in the final seven years? Well, I can tell you from the Bible perspective and what are some of the things that are said in the Bible, we are not. We are not yet in the final, the tribulation, the last seven years. And again, I'm not going to get into whether or not you all are going to be here when that seven years starts or not. That's going to be for another message. But I believe the church needs to be prepared. Let's at least say that. Maybe I'm... um, giving my hand here a little too early. (laughs) I think we need to be prepared as a church. We need to be prepared and ready for this. And so the major thing that really has not happened yet for us to begin to start this is in Jerusalem that the nation of Israel has not yet rebuilt the temple. It's really clear in the Bible that the beginning of the rebuilding of the temple and the beginning of the sacrifices again in that temple are really going to be the beginning of the end, the true end of the age, the true end of the last seven years. The true thing that says this is when the Antichrist will then be able to rise up, will then be able to ask and demand that we take the mark of the beast. So guys, this vaccine and stuff that's coming, this is one, we should be careful, okay? Be Holy Spirit-led and be careful. But what's happening right now in this coming, this is not the mark of the beast, okay? The mark of the beast happens at the second half of the tribulation. It happens past year three and a half in the great, the, what is called the great tribulation. And what happens is the Antichrist will rise up. The Antichrist is someone from the northern north of Israel, so it is not Bill Gates, So, okay, I know he's got ideas and stuff, and so we just need to chill out. Bill Gates is not the Antichrist, okay? Uh, So there's just some things we need to understand and know as a church so that we are not distracted by things and get so worked up about things as we see them coming at us in this world. Amen? Amen? Amen. So there's a lot of things happening, but the most important thing that has happened in history is that Israel became a country again. In 1948, right, Israel became a country again. In 1967, they got a hold of Jerusalem again. And so really the only thing left to happen for us to be able to seeing the signs of the times, pestilence, earthquakes, wars, diseases, people rejecting God, is when they begin to rebuild the temple. And so what has to happen is there needs to be some war or some geopolitical event that has to occur. And I'll tell you, Trump is looking, I mean, the beginning of the year, he put in like, he's requesting peace plans and things for the begin to have some of this stuff happen. So church, I'm telling you, it's close. Jesus is returning and he is returning soon. And I'm not pegging a date here this morning because many times when people do that, it doesn't work out for them. And it just becomes, it confuses people, okay? And we're not pegging dates here this morning. But this temple, when it begins to be rebuilt, hold on to your seats, okay? Hold on to your seats. Because what happens is then the Antichrist will raise up. The abomination of desolation, he will stop the sacrifices halfway through or so of the, of the tribulation, which thus leads us into the last three and a half years and the great tribulation. And I'm, again, I'm not going to get into all of the rapture stuff at the moment, but it is coming. It is time. And we need to be ready as a church. What did Jesus preach? What did Jesus preach? Over and over he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So the big question I have for you, if he is returning, and he's returning soon, what do we need to go do to prepare? Church, what do, what do you as an individual, as a collective church, what do we need to do to prepare? And I've got five things 
I want to talk to you about this morning. And I'll make them brief. But I believe all of these are a war against comfortable Christianity. How do we prepare? We have to war against comfortable Christianity. This having a form of godliness but denying its power. We have to get this call back to simplicity. I think we've gotten distracted by so many bells and whistles. You know, honestly, I mean, I'm just being, being honest. Like, I love the cafe, and I love that we have coffee and can share, but I'm kind of glad that it's not there right now. It, honest, and there's fellowship that happens, and I get it, and that's fine. And I'm not upset if anybody likes to drink coffee, because I do, okay? But what I'm saying is, is this time has been a revealing. It's been a pulling back. It's been an exposure of all the stuff that we thought church was about before. I love having the kids in here. Where in the Bible does it say that a kids ministry sent their kids to another location, to another building, or to another home somewhere so that they could have kids ministry? I don't read that anywhere. Show me an Acts where they sent the kids away to go do kids ministry somewhere else. It didn't happen. And this time that God is able to turn all things together for good, he has brought back a simplicity to the church. And quite honestly, I love it. I love it. It's just, it's simple. The amount of things we have to prepare for. It's like even the ushers. Hey, I just need one or two ushers to get ready. We put, you know, a couple people to prepare communion. But we've gotten so wrapped up. And there's points where we had like 40 volunteers on campus. And everyone's scrambling around because this volunteer didn't show up. And that volunteer didn't show up. And we just, we get so distracted by all this other stuff. And God's calling us back to the fundamental truth. Jesus. Jesus, 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 our Lord and Savior, our again coming King. He is returning, church. He's returning, and we need to be ready for his return. So what, was, what must we do to have a kingdom mentality? Number one, we have to strip away the things that are not part of his kingdom. We have to strip away the things that are not part of his kingdom. Truly, I believe this is a call to holiness, a call to repentance. This is going to be a time where the flesh hurts a little bit. There are things in each and every one of our lives that we have to reflect upon and say, you know what? This is not good for me. This is not drawing me closer to God, and it cannot happen anymore. I've got to get rid of it out of my life. Cut it out. We, I mean, guys, we are close to the end times. I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to be here and worshiping him. I don't want anything hindering me. I don't want anything hindering you. We must actively remove the things that are not of him. And we have to turn every area of our life over to Jesus. Practically, what does this mean? Ask him. Ask him. Ask him now. Jesus, what is it? Holy Spirit, speak to me. What in my personal life do I need to stop doing? Do I need to start doing? In this case, it's more of a stop doing. What do I just have to stop doing? I have to get it out of my life because it's not beneficial to me. For a long time, it was I was off of Facebook. I mean, I was off of Facebook for a long time. You know how freeing that is? To not hear what everybody thinks about everything? Like, holy cow, like what peace in my life. And I got back on recently, and I'll tell you what, every time I get on Facebook, I mean, praise God we're Facebook and live, you know, and I'm grateful for that, those who are watching. 
But I have never looked at Facebook one time in my life. I can't even think of a single time where I had more peace when I was done than when I started. Not one time. And maybe you all have a lot of peace after you look at social media. You're like, wow, Twitter's really making me peaceful today. Wow, all those Instagram photos of everybody living such a wonderful life. Look at my life. It sucks. Like, how is this helping any of you? It's not. So come on, guys. There's some things that maybe you got to drop in our lives. It's like stressful doing social media. You feel so much pressure to post something cool. Or insightful. Or like, oh, you're a pastor, so you must have some great, fabulous opinion about what the government is doing. And you should blast Governor Wolf for this or that. No, I don't want to do any of that. I'm going to love Governor Wolf. I'm going to pray for Governor Wolf. And I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit convicts me to go do. That is how we need to live our lives. Whole nother message. Okay, number two. So number one is you got to get rid of stuff that's not part of the kingdom. Number two, protect the borders of the kingdom. You're going to have a kingdom mindset. You got to get, so think about it. If you're in a kingdom, you got to remove all the stuff that's not part of the kingdom that can't be there anymore. Because you're protecting, you got to, and then you got to protect the borders of the kingdom. So number two, we need to be in prayer and in fasting, protecting the borders of our kingdom. You see, the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities and the powers of dark. Our battle is not with Governor Wolf. Our battle is not against Kathy Dahlkemper. It's not against these people. The battle is against the enemy. And we need to recognize that. And we need to put up the boundaries and put up protection around our border that can only come by prayer. It doesn't come with a physical sword standing at the, you know, at the gate up here saying you can't come in if you're a government official. You know, start... No, it's through prayer. It's through love. This is what we need to be doing. We need to protect the borders of our kingdom. There's so much confusion and deception out there. You need to protect the borders of your own lives. Protect those borders. Be on guard. Be on the lookout. Pray continuously. Walk around your neighborhoods and pray. You want to go get some exercise? Go walk around and pray. You know, I am just, oh, my wife's been helping me with this. Like, I get so mad when I'm out with it, when I have to put a mask on and go somewhere. Like, I just get upset, and I'm upset because I can't see the person's face, and I can't see their reaction and what they're thinking. Are they smiling? Are they frowning? What is it? And, and Liz, she walked away, she's like, well, guess what? This is a wonderful opportunity to remember to pray for that person now. So every time we're grieved by somebody wearing a mask and we don't want to, or maybe someone who's not, and we're like, you know, why aren't you having a mask on? You're trying to kill everybody. What's the matter with you? Like, whatever your position is, can we just pray for the person that's in front of us? Can we just love the person who's in front of us right where they are? Yes? Yes. And so I have to change, and like I look at their mask, oh, what a nice color mask, and then I want to pray for that person. God loves them as much as he loves you and me. So we need to protect the borders of our kingdom. Number three, we have to grow the kingdom. It's good that we get all the stuff out. It's good that we protect the borders, but God's calling us to grow our kingdom. He's calling us to grow our... I'm talking about taking a step up in sharing our faith. I'm talking about taking a step out of being bold and praying for somebody where maybe we didn't do so before. I'm talking about maybe God has been calling you to make an adoption 
Or maybe someone is calling you to be foster parents. Or maybe he's calling some people to have more kids. Whatever it might be, we are here to grow the kingdom of God. And there is such a way, there's an organic way, and there's an external way of growing the kingdom of God. We've been doing it organically for some time now. Yeah, but think about that. And then through adoption and fostering, think about this generation and then the multitudes of generations and how many people will begin to affect. Yes, there's something about, about sharing your faith now. We need to do that. But there's also the sense of we're in this for the long term, however long that might mean. And we need to be loving people into the kingdom of God. We need to grow the kingdom. Some of you might be being called to be missionaries. Don't forsake that call. Don't, don't put that call as, ah, well, the end's coming near. What could I do? No, no. Go, and we'll help you go. Come on. Getting an amen from Camille over there. I see her shaking. She's like, yeah, you go, Pastor Jason. You say it. Come on, guys. Number four, so strip away, protect the borders, grow the kingdom. Number four, train and be trained in kingdom ways. Train and be trained in kingdom ways. You know, we, this is a glorious opportunity with a whole lot less going on to begin to dig into the word of God and to be able to take an extra hour or two, a day or a week, whatever it is, to be able to really dig into the word of God. I call this being a Timothy and being a Paul. I think each and every one of us has to begin to have a mindset is, who is the Timothy in my life? Who am I mentoring? Who am I discipling? Who am I looking at and saying, I'm going to pour my life into this person. I'm going to help train this person in kingdom ways. Every one of us needs to have a Timothy in our lives. And then who is your Paul? Not our brother Paul, but he's a good one. Who is our Paul? Who is your Paul? Who is your Paul? Who is the person who is mentoring you? Who is pouring into you? What life group are you connected to? What small group are you connected to? What community and families are you connected to? This is about the church being the church, not this building. Yeah, we're excited that we're regathering. But the church is about growing his kingdom. It's about growing his kingdom. So train and be trained in kingdom ways. And then the last one, sacrifice for the kingdom. Sacrifice for the kingdom. Turn with me to John 15. I saved this one for last. You're like, yeah, all right. I'm going to pray. I'm going to repent. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then it's like, oh, yeah. I got a sacrifice for the kingdom? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you do, actually. Because the kingdom's in a constant battle, and there's sacrifices, and there's things we have to lay down our lives for. John 15, verse 9, starting there. I'm going to read a little bit, then we'll stop. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. Look at that. 
That the joy can remain, this loving and abiding with him and loving others brings joy to our life, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And so the Lord has just been speaking to me this week. And I watched a movie. Oh. Anybody have read the book, Tortured for Christ? They know or have heard of that book. Highly recommend you read it. Maybe we'll get a bunch of copies put in the back. But they made a movie, and I don't know if it was recently. They released the movie, but it's about an hour and seven minutes that's based off of that book. And it talks about a man who, he was a pastor, and he uh, continued to share the gospel. He continued to run underground churches. He continued to do the things God was calling him to do. And he didn't care, you know what I mean, if he ended up getting captured. And he ended up going to prison. And I'm not going to give all the details, but he ended up being tortured. And as I was watching this film, this video, I mean, I honestly just started break. I just started weeping almost uncontrollably. Because I started to reflect and ask myself, could I do that? If, could, could I really do that? Could I really, I mean, it's, it's easy, to be honest, compared to that, standing up here and talking to you guys. Could I really undergo that type of torture, that type of punishment, to lay my life down for the gospel, so much so that I would be able to endure, I think it was 13 or 14 years of torture and punishment for Christ. And I honestly, I, 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 was, I, I, don't, I didn't think I could do it. And God just continued to minister to me all throughout the week, telling me that he would give me strength if I was in that situation. And that he would be able to provide all of the, whatever it might be that I would need at that time. But it made me realize that this comfortable Christianity, this is not what Jesus wants from us. It is not what Jesus wants from us. He wants an abandonment of the ways of this world to say, no more am I walking by the ways of the world. He wants people to be completely, totally sold out for him. Because the time is short. And we have to up our game as a church. We have to get, we need to start doing what Jesus has been telling us to go do. And we need to start here by love. And sacrificing for one another. And what does this look like practically? I'll tell you. It means loving the one who is right in front of you. Start right there. Like, oh, well, what about China? What about India? What about Pakistan? What about... Love the one who God has placed right in front of you. Sacrifice for the one who he has put right in front of you. Love the one who he has put right in front of you. And when you do that, he'll bring another one for you to love. And when you do it again, he'll bring another one for you to love. If you cannot be faithful in loving the one who is right in front of you, how do we think that we can go be a missionary somewhere else? You can't. I mean, I don't, maybe you can. I don't know. doesn't seem like you can but it starts with love. It starts with sacrifice. It starts with loving the person who is right in front of you. 
Worship team, if you want to come back up. So we're going to end service a little bit differently this morning. Well, actually, we've done this before, but we're going to end a little differently. We're going to play one of the songs that we have played during the worship set. And I want to give each and every person an opportunity to just come before the Lord. If there's something, if any of this resonated with you in your life this morning, you say, maybe there's something I need to remove. Maybe I need to just begin to pray more for my neighbor. Maybe I need to see where, I need to love the person who is in front of me. Maybe I need to start seeing someone who's in my life, seeing them as a Timothy. Maybe I need to go find a Paul. Whatever it is that I talked about this morning, there are two things you can do at this altar this morning. There'll be people who can pray for you. There's going to be a group right here, a group right there, and a group right here in the middle who can pray for you. So if you need prayer, come up. If you need prayer for healing, come up. But then in between here, or even if you want to stay towards the back, you can come and just do some business with God. Not that we haven't already done business with God, because we have. But this is a call to action. This is what we call a response song. And today we need to respond, church. We need to respond with a kingdom mentality. And we need to set aside the me mentality that so many of us have been brought up in, really. And that the world promotes. And it's all about me. It's all about my needs. He's calling us to a different place. He's calling us to something higher. He's calling us to a kingdom mentality this morning. Because the time is short. And he is returning. So prayer team, if you want to come up here, those who I'd ask to to pray, if you want to come up here. And if any account that you need prayer, or you just want to do business with God, you can do it in between here. And remember, stripping away the things that aren't of the kingdom, protecting the borders, grow the kingdom, train and be trained in a sacrifice for the kingdom. What he didn't say is that 14 years in prison, and at one point, at 10 p.m., like the, the, the bell would ring for bedtime, and he would pray every night, and every night he would get beaten. And finally, the guard comes in and just screams at him, you've lost everything, your God is dead, what do you even have to pray for anymore? And he just looked at him and said, I, I always pray for you. And he meant it, like, and he meant it. And these men, the story, um, the book, you know, these men, they would die and their last words would be forgive them. They were committed to loving their communist captors. And um, this week we power washed around our house, which we've never done before. (laughs) We've lived there for like five years. And I was so thankful, right? Because we were wrecked. We were wrecked for Jesus this week. Like we were wrecked. And um, it's wonderful because God just ministers to you sometimes and he says, here, do this job, which is just repetitive. Mm. I mean, I did this with a wand for hours. Hour, maybe 14 hours over four days. One for each year this man was in prison. And I would just pray. 
and I would just think, and I would just talk to the Lord about how the water literally was like adult coloring. It, the, the dirt would just go away and it would be clean. I talked to him about sin. I talked to him about love. I told him things he already knew, like, Father, without you, I mean, that love does not live in me outside of Christ. Um, and that's the kind of love, that's the kind of love we're to walk in. I can't, I have trouble not saying mean things about my neighbors whose dogs bark all the time. I have trouble, I'm not kidding, I have trouble keeping my words loving about that inconvenience. Well, Liz, why don't you go back there and start praying over their dogs? Why don't you start blessing them in Jesus? And all that sounds like super, super, like, la-di-da, pie-in-the-sky, spiritual. But you know what? That's, if that's what I have to do to love them, then that's, that should be what I do. That should be what I do. Hmm? That's the practicality of it. Because if I don't do that, I secretly... I secretly have visions of shooting pups with BB guns. I don't want to hurt them. I just want to be quiet. I've spent a long time on Amazon looking for devices that send out this ultrasonic signal that stops dogs from barking. And I want to install it in the barn next to their property. I mean, I've, I've put lots of time into... <laughs> I, I, and and I've, I've ranted and I've raved about how inconsiderate. I just can't believe and don't people understand. And If I had spent half the time praying for them as I have ranting about this is this is ridiculous this isn't persecution this isn't persecution this is just being christian this is just like 101 and all and i struggle we all struggle so what you're up here preaching about today is just he's coming back he's coming back for us and oh lord i just want to look like jesus but i can only do it by jesus and with jesus I mean, I can't, I can't even begin, can't even begin without them. So, I mean, as, as we close out in the song, this is a time to come up and have prayer. If your kids have a cavity and you want them to get prayed for, now's the time to do it. We're just going to put the lights down and we're going to sing. Now's the time to come up and say, we're going on a trip. Please just pray a blessing over us. This is a time to come up and get prayer. I mean, if you're not in a small group where you're praying with other people, then who are you praying with on a regular basis? Just come up and say, okay, just bless our family. And then we'll agree with you. We'll just speak a blessing over your family or we'll pray over your toenail or we'll, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Now's the time to pray together. Amen. Amen. If you, and if you also have business to do with, with the Lord, we'll respect that. Just come up here and do some business with him. All right. All right, team, lead us. Thank you, Lord. So I know the time's a little bit late, but seems to be late every time we gather, so y'all are not surprised by that. Just out of respect for those who are still up here and ministering and doing business with the Lord, I'm going to read a benediction and then you guys can be dismissed. But if we could just move just with, you know, a sense of reverence and of uh, to the Holy Spirit and what he's doing up here in the altar, if we could do that as we, as we exit today. Out of 1 Peter 1, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct.
So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for lives being transformed. We thank you for the sick being healed. And so, Father, thank you for your return, your soon coming return. And we worship you today. Father, I pray a blessing over this week for each person, each family, for all those watching online. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be dismissed, but we'll just be respectful of those who are up here.